please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel. This is from Luke chapter 9. After Jesus said these things, he took Peter, James, and John and went up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with fear and awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. This is the gospel of grace. Thanks be to God. First, a little recap for you on the transfiguration. Jesus climbs to the top of the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Suddenly, Jesus begins to glow like a sparkly sparkle. Beside him appear the prophets Moses and Elijah, who, as we all know, have been dead for a very long time, making an already weird story even weirder. Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus about his departure from this earth, which will soon take place. Throughout this experience, the disciples somehow feel sleepy, as they often seem to do during important moments, which is likely a spiritual immaturity manifesting itself in a physical way. Have you noticed? The people of God are so often asleep to what is most important. The disciples do, however, manage to stay awake, during which Peter erupts with this little nugget of wisdom. <laughs> Let's make three tents. The narrator makes sure to point out poor Peter didn't know what he was saying. But who can blame him? What are we supposed to do with a story like this one? While Peter, James, and John are Still trying to puzzle it out, they are suddenly covered by a thick cloud that both overshadows them and terrifies them. Then from the cloud comes a voice, at which point at least one of the disciples wets his pants. The Bible doesn't say that part, I'm just guessing. Anyway, the voice says, this is my son, listen to him. And just like that, the whole thing is over. The cloud is gone, Moses and Elijah are gone, Jesus is no longer glowing, and they head back down the mountain telling no one what they saw. 
In Luke's version, as soon as they get down from the mountain, there is a crowd waiting for Jesus, including a man with a demon-possessed son begging for healing. In the church year, we read the transfiguration story every year as our entry point into the season of Lent. That is, this is the story that launches us forward toward the cross. What the heck does it mean? A few things, I think, are obvious. Number one, we are supposed to be reminded of Moses. After all, he's right there in the scene. And if you know your Hebrew Bible, you know that after Moses would meet with God, he would have to put this veil over his face because his very skin would be shining. Apparently, this was too much for the people to see. Instead of being curious, I imagine they suddenly wanted to take a nap and avoid the reality of a God that close. So Moses would go off alone to meet with God again, and this is when he would remove the veil. Two, another obvious thing about the mountaintop with Jesus. God clearly states that this is God's son, and that the disciples should listen to him. It is what we call in theological language a theophany, that is, a visible manifestation of God. However, Jesus' whole existence on earth was and is a theophany. So why this specific otherworldly moment? Every year I try to tease it out. And every year it remains a bit of a mystery, which I think is part of the point. The transfiguration is an invitation into the mystery of God, the mystery of Christ, the cross, and the coming resurrection. I'm not sure we are supposed to fully understand. The best we can do is fully participate, stay awake, and listen. Long after the event, when he'd had some time to process it, Peter, or one of Peter's disciples, wrote this in 2 Peter chapter 1. We didn't repeat crafty myths when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Quite the contrary. We witnessed his majesty with our own eyes. He received honor and glory from God the Father when a voice came to him from the magnificent glory saying, This is my dearly loved Son with whom I am well pleased. In addition... We have a most reliable prophetic word, and you would do well to pay attention to it, just as you would to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Whatever happened up there on the mountain, it was significant for Peter and shaped his ministry. When he says we have a most reliable prophetic word, word. I'm not sure what he means, but I wonder if he means Christ himself. Majestic mountaintop or down on the level place among the poor, Christ is our most reliable, prophetic, truth-telling word about who God is, and we would do well to pay attention. One year, the only way I found I could talk about the transfiguration was in the form of writing poetry, which somehow seems fitting for a strange text such as this one. 
The poem has continued to speak to me through the years, so I would like to share it with you on the off chance it might speak to you too. This is what I make of the transfiguration. It's my attempt at understanding, based on 2 Peter, of what we're supposed to do with it. Keep watching the light until you become light. Keep attending to the beaming of his face until you yourself are transfigured. Keep positioning yourself in line with the glow until you feel a gleam break forth in you. Resist all urge to sleep, walk through glory. Stay awake, pay attention, even if it scares you. Don't you ever build a tent, you silly, rash Peters, chomping to do something significant, anxious to bottle up this extraordinary moment for safekeeping. Give your miracles away, for free distribute the mercies you have, do you have known. Don't plop down inside your big cozy tent alone and safe, your treasure secure. No, 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 run down that hill like a wildfire, hot while the power lasts. Spread burning love, lick the world like flames. Do not veil yourself like Moses, even when people ask you to cover up. Such polite modesty does not suit you when your face is shining with the afterglow of God. Glow, child, glow. God is pleased with you. At the bottom of the hill, your light will smack hard into pain, people's hurts, your own wounds, like a wall. They call it the valley of the shadow, and it is dark there. Run there anyway. Don't speak too hastily of Jesus or all you saw up on the mountain. It won't make much sense if told in haste. Also, no one will believe you. So take your time meandering among the masses, meeting as many eyes as you can. Let your gaze be a window into what you have seen. Look back into their stare. See more there than you have ever seen before. With those you meet, exchange small glimmers, tiny faith flickers. Swap burdens, share darkness, meld together, hold hands, journey on. At some point in your wandering, you will begin to wonder where all of this is going. You will raise your face, and up ahead you will see a rough wood-carved cross. This will shock you. More even than the darkness of the valley and the friendship you found there, this will shock you. Jesus is hoisting himself up onto it willingly, and he is mouthing the words, follow me. And you will protest, but, but the mountain, you were glowing. Let's go back. Why didn't I tabernacle you when I had the chance? Grab hold, keep you encased with fabric and poles, stake you to the ground, make you stay. Instead, I lived loose, traveled light, made friends, and now you are leaving us with the sun setting behind you, possibly forever. 
silence, blackout grief, no reply. You will close your eyes and so will God in heaven, sorrow overtaking sight. But you will hear the earth shake and rocks moan and a great big veil in the temple will begin to rip. You will hear it tearing, and it will be to your ears like the sound of pain and the wailing of separation. But it is not that. It is the sound Moses heard when he would rip off his veil in the presence of God. It is the sound of sunshine cracking over the surface of the earth. It is the sound of walls between heaven and earth, walls between, between brothers falling down at last. It is the sound of light beams shattering blindness. It is the sound of God dying, then rising like a star in your heart. Amen.